When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Appeal. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, August 5th, 2022 is appeal. I had the entire Deshaun Watson situation figured out from the beginning totally incorrectly. You've been reading articles about Deshaun Watson. I guess it's got to be over a year now. He didn't want to play for the Texans. He was on the suspended list, but able to play, got paid all last year with the Texans, didn't take a snap. No grand jury indictments, you remember that. I didn't commit a crime, I'm good. No remorse at all. People are very confused about the statements from the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has shown no remorse. He did nothing wrong. It's very clear all he has said is, I'm sorry that other people feel upset or hurt or triggered about what happened, but nothing bad happened at all. The NFL tried to figure out what to do with him, and it took forever. And they decided, let's try a third-party arbitrator, neither neutral nor a third-party, Judge Robinson. Six-game suspension. I told you this week, maybe I had East Africa on the brain. I said, that's it. It was a negotiated settlement without calling it a negotiated settlement. The Players Association said they weren't going to appeal. I do not believe... The NFL is going to appeal, and that's it. It's six games, move on. It's a joke. It's obvious what the NFL thinks about how its players treat women. We know all this. What I keep forgetting to take into account, no matter how many times I'm told to read the social media tea leaves, I keep forgetting how much these leagues and the commissioner of football and executives of professional teams, owners. I forgot how influenced they are by you. I forgot how influenced they can be by the tide. Everyone came out and said, six games, it's an outrage. The women came out and said, it's ridiculous. All the podcasts, talk shows, how can this be? Roger Goodell said, well, wait a minute. Here's what we can do. We can actually appeal the six-game suspension, and I, Roger Goodell, can be the judge of the appellate hearing. So the NFL could appeal the arbitrator's ruling of a six-game suspension. The Players Association has to defend it, saying, hey, this seems right. The NFL has to say, we want more. And then Roger Goodell gets to say, here's the decision and here's the kicker. Once Roger Goodell decides, that's it. There's no more appeals. But then you read from sports business reporters, don't worry, 
Deshaun Watson could go into federal court. They can get it out of the arbitration system, get it out of Roger Goodell's hands, go to federal court and say to a federal judge, give me a temporary restraining order. Let Deshaun Watson free. Let my people go, go down. Moses, way down in Egypt's land. Let Deshaun Watson free. Give me a break. But the federal court could hear the case. And you know what federal courts do when they are hearing a temporary restraining order means that if you don't let what was supposed to happen happen, there's going to be irreparable harm, immediate and substantial irreparable harm. True, if Deshaun Watson can't play week one of the season, there will be irreparable damage to the NFL and to the Cleveland Browns. Federal courts don't care about week one of the NFL season. Federal courts will say, I'm just curious here, players. There's something called the collective bargain agreement, and inside your collective bargain agreement, you signed it. Look, it's right there. You all voted for it. You negotiated. It was in the papers. Lots of negotiation. And you signed a document which says that in the case of this player discipline, you can appeal to an arbitrator whose name is Roger Goodell. The federal courts aren't going to get in the way of that at all. And the Players Association knows that. So Roger Goodell has a small problem. And he sits with his top lieutenants and he says, I don't think that I can be the judge. I think people will think that it's totally fixed if I'm the judge of the appeal. And if I want him suspended for a year or a substantial suspension, which is what you're reading, or a substantial monetary suspension, I really don't want people to think that I'm the one who's deciding, but Roger, you have the right to decide. It's right in the agreement. You are the commissioner. That's why we pay you the big bucks other than to take the heat for everything that we do as owners and to make sure that all our teams are worth billions of dollars. The other thing you do is you get to be the judge. It's fine. You should do it. Roger said, no, I have an idea. You know that family feud host named uh, Peter Harvey? I think we should get him. He's a former attorney general. It totally makes sense. Let's get him to be the appellate judge. And the NFL executive said, well, wait a minute. Do we know how this is going to end? And Roger Goodell said, of course we do. But we're going to make the fans believe and we'll make the media believe that I don't want to be the final decision maker here. And we'll have someone, quote unquote, independent doing it, just like the Dolphins investigation with Mary Jo White and all the other people who are hired to do all these arbitrations and investigations. We'll make sure that it's totally fixed. What about that plan, everybody? And then we can do a PR release saying that we are now appealing because we think it should be more. And then we'll go before a totally independent, not at all, arbitrator. We'll get the top five answers on the board. 100 people surveyed. How many games should Deshaun Watson be suspended? Buzzer, 17. Eh. How many games should Deshaun Watson be suspended? Buzzer, 11. Eh. All right, do you want to play or pass? Oh, we're going to play, Peter. All right. Hey, Players Association, this is your board. Everything's available. How many games do you think Deshaun Watson should be suspended for the activity against 24 women, the settlements that both the Houston Texans made and Deshaun Watson made? 
all of the findings from Judge Robinson of all the inappropriate contact, the knowledge that he absolutely went into these massages looking for a happy ending, to say the least. And then on top of that, we're ruling that he's not allowed to get a masseuse or a massage from anyone outside of club control, forgetting the fact that maybe the team set up the massages in different hotels and different rooms, but we can get back to that later. How many games? Uh, eight. Okay. I like it. Eight. 74 people. It's the number one answer. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. I mean, not because I'm doing Family Feud with Peter Harvey, the former New Jersey Attorney General, who's actually heard a couple of things. He did the Hugh Jackson investigation. That was a big one. But the Cleveland Browns, remember that head coach who said, yeah, I was paid to lose too, just like Brian. Or the Ezekiel Elliott case, five games for more domestic violence against a woman. He got five games. He's still the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Don't worry. In that league, it doesn't matter what you do. You can murder someone. You can rape someone. You can kill. You can do whatever you want. doesn't matter. You're playing. It's all good. But don't get a concussion. We've got to be very careful about concussions. All of the violations and all of the misogyny, eh, as long as you can still do division and multiplication when you're 69 years old, then we're okay. Why is it that the NFL decided to appeal this ruling, PR? Why is it that they decided to hire Peter Harvey to be an arbitrator and to be the judge instead of Roger Goodell, PR? What are they gonna do when the ruling comes? The ruling's gonna come after the Players Association submits the brief. Well, I don't know why it's called the brief. Can we do a quick side note here? My first day in, uh, in law school, this is in 1990. Go to law school and the first case we did was in a class called Elements with Professor Eva Hanks at Cardoza School Law School, School of Law. And we were learning about briefs and you have to write a brief and basically what you're doing is you're making arguments to the court. And these briefs are hundreds of pages. For the life of me, explain to me why it's called a brief. It should be called a, what's the opposite of brief, Coca? I'm having a Friday blank session here this morning. Like lengthy, brief and lengthy, is, are those the antonyms? But I wanted to say something way more clever that you can edit in after. Maybe you can just do it over my voice when you swipe in like 4669. Treatise. Well, are treatises necessarily loud? Long, loud? God damn it, Coca. All right, I'm gonna skip that. I'm too annoyed. Here we go. Two, eight, nine, wipe me in. I don't really understand why it's called brief because briefs are quite lengthy, but the NFL Players Association will submit a brief. Then the NFL will submit a brief. It's going to be a brief that is lengthy, and it is going to explain why what the judge decided was wrong, Judge Robinson, and why he should be suspended for X amount of games and find Y amount of dollars. But really what's happening is a negotiation with Deshaun Watson's team and the union. And I don't mean the Cleveland Browns. I mean his agents. The NFL has to get a win here. They have to get a PR win, and a PR win comes with any increase over six games. The irony is, no matter what the suspension is, it cannot be a season. 
It will not be a year. That would be the only way to possibly assuage any of the angst that is being felt by women and by other people about how the NFL is run because a season is a lengthy suspension. But in my opinion, NGTH, not going to happen. So they're going to have to find a way to say, oh, no, this hurt. Monetary. Find him $10 million. $15 million. Deshaun Watson says, well, wait a minute. When is that payable? Because under my contract, I'm only getting like a million dollars this year. Can we make that payable next year when my salary goes to about $45 million? Because whatever money you find me is subtracted by the number of games that I'm now allowed to play that you're not suspending me. Because if you suspend me for a season, I don't get paid. But then if you find me, I lose money on top of that. It's a math equation. That is all that is going on right now with Watson, with the NFL, and they're hiding it under this umbrella of we care about what you think. You know what Deshaun Watson didn't do? There's really a lot of things. He didn't win a Super Bowl. That's one thing he didn't do. He did not carry weed into a foreign country. Not a popular take here, but I must say before I explain what's happening with Brittany Griner and the sentence that she received yesterday when she was found guilty in a Russian court, I'm sure that that was a fair trial. I'm sure that each side had the ability to present evidence. I'm sure there are tremendous rules of not just evidence, but procedure. I'm sure everything was as kosher as a cheeseburger. She was found guilty of having a cartridge or two of hash or cannabis. It's the cartridge that you all use that I was going to say we, but why would I say we when it's definitely me? That the pen, you take the drag, it's got the oil, it doesn't smell, you don't need the peanut butter or the jar, you don't have to hide it, you don't have the skunk stink, and you get high. Brittany Griner goes to play in Russia. Everyone feels sorry because she's only there during wartime because she needs the money because the WNBA doesn't pay enough because there's no equal pay in women's sports. Can you imagine the attenuated argument to go from women in the WNBA are not paid enough, they need to work other than during the season for the WNBA, so they go to Russia and they get paid a lot by Mr. and Mrs. Oligarchy. Gark. Where in any of that does it say, hey, I've got a good idea when I'm heading to Russia. Let me put in my toiletry bag right next to the eyebrow liner a little pen. Who's going to see it? Dogs don't sniff that. They're looking for nuclear arms or codes or Coca-Cola. I do not believe what Brittany Griner did was smart, and I believe that she is paying for that. However... She is paying for it in a way that is totally disproportionate to the crime. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But the time shouldn't be nine years. So a little misconception going on right now is that Brittany Griner is now going to spend nine years in a Russian prison. Now, you can picture, I'm thinking about Claire Danes and Homeland, or I'm thinking about spies like us or all the other places where I've seen Russian prisons or Czechoslovakia in the movie Stripes. Old reference alert, old reference alert. I do not know whether or not she will be in solitary confinement. I don't know whether or not there's a basketball hoop. I don't know how good the food is. If you like goulash, I guess maybe it'll be fine. Maybe some potatoes, maybe some stew. I don't know that you get a cell phone. You probably don't get cell service. But guess what? The amount of time that Brittany Griner spends in prison has not changed because she was found guilty and sentenced to nine years. 
This is now a diplomatic issue, and it's been a diplomatic issue since well before the trial started. Joe Biden got himself involved by speaking to Brittany's wife, trying to tell her, hey, I promise everything's going to be okay. There's going to be a negotiation, and I was trying to think about the trades I've made in my career and the evaluation, what we look at when we're looking at trades. We're looking at what the player has left in terms of a contract, what experience the player has, what position the player plays. We're looking at the makeup of the team, the composition of the team, whether or not we need to uh, lower payroll, whether we're allowed to increase payroll. You look at a trade the same way as when I was a kid trading baseball cards, the same way when any of you trade anything with anybody, you are looking at value for value. You'd like to win the trade, but you don't want to win it by so much and ask for so much that the other side will go away. If you want something badly enough, you have to pretend you don't. You have to pretend you're willing to walk away. One of the first rules of negotiating is, and we've gone through this on Nothing Personal, you have to be willing to walk away. Because if you're not, just know you're going to lose. When you are trading people for people, does the equation change? No. It's a value for value trade. People, athletes who are traded are treated like, they're not treated like people, let's just say that. When we have trade conversations with other teams, we are not talking about, hey, this guy's got uh, four kids. This Wait, what was the one trade, Coca? Do you remember the trade of the player whose mother was sick? Oh, God. And he was traded back to a team where his mother lived so he could be close to her. And it was done in as a totally awesome thing for that player. I'm completely blanking right now. But Coca, it's one Google search away, although it's Friday, and I know he doesn't like doing Google searches on Friday. That is one trade in a million. The majority of trades are done when we sit face-to-face -face with other GMs and other presidents. These players are like, are like chips on a game board, like Monopoly pieces or strategio, Stratego pieces. It has nothing to do with the player. And it was Steven Piscotti. Yes, it was. Yes, Coca. How many years ago was that? I feel like that was just last year. But I don't know when it was. Five years ago? <laughs> Hold on, Coca. Stop the show for one second. Hold on. Hold. Steven Piscotti was traded five years ago in 2017. I said it yesterday, carpe diem, because it's whoosh, whoosh, time is just flying in a way that is just strange to me. They say as you get older, time goes faster. I guess that's true just because you have less of it left to go. I wonder if that happens like on a golf course. Does the back nine go faster than the first nine because you're finished? It's like when a horse sees the barn and he goes faster. I always go faster near the finish line of a race because you're like, hey, it's almost finished. Might as well go faster. Maybe time is the same way. It knows to go faster for people who are almost finished. Anyway, so total reckless indifference and disregard toward 
the life of the people we're trading in sports. When you are trading prisoners, it's the same thing. The White House would have you believe that they're very concerned about Brittany Griner. They'd like you to believe that they're very upset at the unlawful detainment, the sham conviction, and the fact that she's in prison for nine years for a little bit of cannabis. The Russians are saying, hey, you want her back? No problem. We'll take Nicolas Cage from Lord of War. We'll take the arms dealer. We'll take the absolute crazy prisoner that you have, we want him back. We want him back on the street in Russia because this guy can get stuff done. The White House says, well, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like a fair trade. You're gonna have to kick in like a future draft pick or maybe some extra money in the deal because just Brittany for the arms dealer, that, that's not, no way. You know what? We're gonna need another, you know that other guy that you've had for five years? We want him back too. Russia says, no, well, that's not fair. If you want both of them back, then we're gonna need not just the arms dealer, we're gonna need the rapist too. That's the negotiating that goes on. They call it diplomatic negotiation, diplomatic bargaining, because they sit at a table or they must do it on Zoom now. In the old days, they sat at a table with the flags of their country behind them. We represent the United States of America. Give me these prisoners. We're gonna do the big trade like Bridge of Spies. We're gonna get on a bridge and we're gonna let one go. We're gonna get one back like the movie Savages with Selma Hayek and Blake Lively. It's the biggest bunch of horse hockey ever. Joe Biden's not gonna do anything to get Brittany Griner back unless it's a trade that makes sense to them. Have you ever heard of a casualty of war? None of this should make you happy. None of this should make you anything other than incredibly concerned about her future. When you're traveling abroad, do yourself a favor. Don't bring weed. Buy pencil shavings and oregano when you get there. Here's the wait to see. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen and then we revisit it. And if it happens, We'll revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it. And the thing about wait to see is, is that on nothing personal, we always revisit it no matter what because sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. I got a double wait to see for you, Coca. Number one, Brittany Griner will not be in prison in Russia for nine years. Take the under. Yes, Coca and I are still gonna be here nine years from now, somewhere, and we will somehow get back to this wait to see but Brittany Griner will not serve nine years. Number two, Deshaun Watson. Take the under when all these people bet what his suspension will be. Go under 9.1 games. You're going to be happy. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a documentary about Nolan Ryan, and then we're going to bring you inside the meeting between LeBron James and Rob Palinka negotiating an extension for LeBron because that was one hell of a meeting. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. 
And Ramp Software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday. Thank you for listening to the show on my trip yesterday. I did want to do a quick shout out to Killy Warriors, the company. Look them up, Killy Warriors. They're the company that got us to the top and arranged and figured out how to do this race. They worked with Ziad and Z Adventure Racing. And I want to give a special, you know, it's so strange when you call out someone's name who you know doesn't watch Nothing Personal or listen to Nothing Personal because he's climbing up and down Mount Kilimanjaro all the time, doesn't have access to internet ever. But Frank, if you're out there, what you did to get me to the top as the guide, the way you helped carry my backpack when I couldn't move another inch, I appreciate you more than you know. Thank you, Frank. So yesterday was the anniversary, if you're on Twitter or anywhere, yesterday was the anniversary of one of the most famous fights in baseball history. There was a player named Robin Ventura who got hit by Nolan Ryan. Robin Ventura charged the mound. Nolan Ryan grabbed him around the neck, gave him a bunch of punches, beat the crap out of him. And Nolan Ryan was, I believe, 68 years old when he was pitching at this time. And it was one of the most memorable fights. To me, it's not number one. To me, Pedro Martinez and Don Zimmer has to be number one with what happened. Gabby Sanchez has to be up there in the top five. But this is a memorable, memorable fight. And the strange thing is, I didn't know when the anniversary was. I didn't know when during the season this happened. And I was flying... uh, three days ago or whenever I was flying. And I had downloaded a movie to watch on Apple. It was a documentary called Facing Nolan. The first time I ever met Nolan Ryan was in 1989 when I went to an Oklahoma City, uh, the 89ers in Oklahoma City. I was in college at the time, I believe. And I went to see an exhibition game between the Texas Rangers and another team and Nolan Ryan was on the Texas Rangers, and I got his autograph, and I got to meet him. I had no idea that I would end up working in baseball at the time. I had no idea that I would sit in owners' meetings with him. I had no idea that I would spend so much time talking to him over the years about his career, about his life, about the things he's done. Just being around someone like Nolan Ryan is fascinating to me. And they made an entire documentary because there's – an full group of people from Coca's age on down who just really have no understanding of who Nolan Ryan was. The fact that he won the World Series with the Mets, so maybe Scott and and Matt do know who he is as a young pitcher, that he went to Houston, what it was like in Houston, the fights that he had with the owner in Houston, then playing for Texas and how well he did in Texas. Nolan Ryan has the record for the most no-hitters in history. Seven, seven no-hitters. Nolan Ryan is still alive. He's a grandfather. They interview his grandchildren, his children. His son was the president of, Reed Ryan was the president of the Houston Astros for a long period of time. Got to spend significant time with him. And the thing about Reed Ryan being the son of Nolan Ryan, 
very, very humble, did not ever flex about who his dad was, did not use his dad as a reason why he was where he was, worked very, very hard at the job he had. I believe Reed Ryan got caught up in the garbage can scandal, not having done it, but I believe he stepped back from the operations of the team. But the moral of the story is when you watch Facey Nolan, you're going to learn something about a man. You're going to learn something about a sport. You're going to learn something about dedication, about power, about family, about marriage. Check it out, Facey Nolan. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. Ask me a question, and here we go. Hi, David. Hello. I like when people start with hi, David, or hey, David, or what's shaking, David. Did you see LeBron discussing his extension with the Lakers? How did that conversation go? Boy, am I glad you asked. Because when there is a meeting that happens between a player and a general manager, just a little background of how this works. If your name is not LeBron James, the meeting is between the player agent and the general manager. And it generally is a phone call, not a meeting. LeBron James has his own set of rules, not just on the court, but off the court. Basketball has a financial system where there is a salary cap, a salary floor, there is a maximum amount of money you can pay each player depending on their circumstance, their career service, how long they've been on a team. There's all sorts of different variables, but it is known prior to a negotiation what the maximum amount of money that that player can receive. Totally different in baseball when we negotiate with a player agent where there's anywhere from the league minimum of $700,000 to infinity. And when you've got that sort of band when you're negotiating, it is super hard to negotiate. So then you have to go to comps. Comparables are, you can say, like house comps, right? There's infinity between what your house can be sold for but you have to look to see what it's worth. You get an appraisal. Then you have to look to see what other houses in your area, like houses in your area are sold for. And then you come to a band of, of a number, two numbers on the low side, on the high side. You look at the economy, you look at the city in which you are, location, any road improvements or city improvements, neighborhood improvements, blah, blah, blah. You get to a number and it's sort of in a band, but it's still not a set number. LeBron James is eligible to get a 97 million two-year extension. Not 98, 97. The thing about LeBron James is that he's not going to sign an extension for anything other than the maximum amount of money he can get. He knows it, and the Lakers know it. So what exactly goes on when there's a discussion between the agent, and the team? Nothing. That's why LeBron himself is going in to talk to the GM, Rob Palenka, who, by the way, has no say in what's going on. It's Jeannie Buss and it's LeBron James who are running the team, even though we've heard LeBron is taking a step back from the operations of the team because they've been so unsuccessful because FOL, friends of LeBron, don't seem to do a lot of W winning. 
So LeBron walks into the meeting. I doubt he's wearing a suit and tie. And he says, hey, Rob, here's a couple of things I'd like you to think about. Number one, Bronny. You know, my son's going to be ready to play in a couple of years, and I just want to make sure that you're drafting him and that we're going to be able to play together because the reason I'm hanging on is not that I need another ring, which would be good, not that I need another $97 million because I've got a bunch of other stuff going on and I'm good, although who couldn't use another $97 million? That seems like an okay plan. But I just want to make sure that we're set with Bronny. And Rob Polinka responds, well, I'm going to have to really talk to Jeannie about that, but I'm not really positive. What else is on your list, Bronny? Not Bronny, LeBron. What else is on your list, LeBron? Well, we got to talk about Russell Westbrook. I really would like him off the team, but LeBron, you wanted him on the team. I know, but now I want him off the team. But we can't get anyone to take his money. But what about if we just take Kyrie Irving back? We tried that. We told you we tried that, LeBron. Well, have you tried doing the three-way deal? Who do you want us to do it with? Well, I've got the exact trade we could do. But LeBron, you said you weren't going to get as involved in the trading and you were going to let us run the team because we got so embarrassed last year. Yeah, but the reason I'm here to talk is I just want to make sure that you're working to get rid of Russ because AD and I spoke about it and that's what needs to happen. Well, I can't promise that's going to happen. Well, I don't know if I can sign the extension. Well, that's okay. You don't need to sign the extension. Well, don't you want to get it done right now so we can make this big announcement and there could be a whole press conference and it could be really good for sales and really good for marketing and it'll, be, it'll really help the team if I'm here for another two years at the $97 million. Well, actually, LeBron, no, it won't. It's totally fine. But, but wait a minute, Rob. I know Samson was just in Africa and the only jersey that he saw the entire time were my number 23 Lakers jerseys. Well, that's true. But yeah, that really doesn't do anything for us. They go back and forth, and the one thing they're not talking about is money. I've never been in a negotiation where you're not talking about money. It's always about money. The whole premise of the show, the whole premise of life, the whole premise of every interaction of every business is money. But basketball has made it when you are in LeBron James's category or in Kevin Durant's category or in Kyrie Irving's category, which I don't know why he's in that category. That it's not, or James Harden's category, I don't know why James Harden is in that category, that the conversation is not about money. Now, as we were preparing for this topic, it was reminded, I was told how wrong I was about James Harden and the fact that he took a pay cut to stay with the Sixers because he so badly wants to win a title. And I've explained till I'm blue in the gills that James Harden did not take a pay cut. James Harden has more guaranteed money today than he did under the one year that he had left when he opted out of the one-year deal. That's the end of the discussion. He has more guaranteed money today. That is not a pay cut. Hard stop. Are we good? Okay, move on. LeBron James's discussion with Rob Palenka was about all the things that Rob needs so LA has the honor of giving him $97 million over two years. That's a no-win situation for the Lakers. An absolute no-win situation. How does that end? It ends with a $97 million two-year extension. It ends with the Lakers drafting Bronny. And it ends with Russell Westbrook not being on the team. LeBron James has earned the right, for those of you who believe in player empowerment, he's earned the right to dictate his terms. We'll see what happens. 
Did you see that Kevin Durant is meeting with Joe Sy? That'll be a fun one to talk about next week. Hey, you haven't traded me yet, goddammit. Well, because no one's offering equal value for you, Kevin. Yeah, but I said I don't want to be here. All right, Joe, get me traded. Kevin, we're not trading you. Come on, Joe. Kevin, Joe. That'll be a fun meeting. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. Do we have a pick yesterday? Why is it not on the rundown? I think we were we're 78 and 65. We lost a pick because we had the two days ago, we had the somebody beating the somebody and it didn't work. Oh, we had Otani winning. We had the Angels winning two days ago. The Angels lost their 70, we're 78 and 65. Yesterday, we didn't do a pick of the day because I didn't get to it because I did a totally different show. But Coca can vouch for me that the pick of the day originally was the Cardinals over the Cubs with their new pitcher, Quintana, who did win, but I can't take the credit for it. I got to talk about the Angels a little bit. Did you see the game yesterday? When things happen in baseball, I go back and I think about all the different games that I was a part of, the thousands of games, and I try to remember them. And sometimes I go to the internet and look up box scores, and I'm reminded of different pinch hitting situations that happened or different pitching changes that happened that we didn't want to happen, that did happen when the manager did it, or that we didn't want to happen, or we did want to happen, or what happened with a walk-off. And all these memories come flooding back. For the life of me, I could not remember a game where the Marlins or the Expos in any of my years hit seven home runs in a game. I could not remember it. And the only reason it was even in my head is that the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles hit seven home runs in their game yesterday. And they lost. Shohei Otani hit two home runs the day after he pitched. Five other players hit home runs. And they still lost eight to seven. That's a record. They had seven solo home runs, lost eight to seven. If you're Anaheim, are you not just despondent? They're basically the worst team in baseball since they fired Joe Madden, which makes Joe Madden happy. Believe me, he's looking back at what's going on with the team. Phil Nevin has not been able to get anything done. We've spent minutes talking about the problem in Anaheim with Artie Moreno and the makeup of that team. It is an absolute disaster. The other thing that happened in baseball before we get to our picks for today is that uh, the Milwaukee Brewers just got swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Milwaukee Brewers haven't won a game since they traded Josh Hader. Christian Yelich gave an interview where he certainly said that it's had an impact on the club. I told you that David Stearns is one of the smartest people in the front office as the head of baseball operations for the Brewers. I told you he had to have a team meeting. I'm concerned that the team meeting he had after the deadline was not effective. When you have a first-place team that's holding on to first place, I'm checking right now. You are looking live on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson. As I check my device without glasses to make sure the Milwaukee Brewers are still in first place. Nope. Wow. The Brewers have lost four in a row. The Cardinals have won four in a row. They're now tied for first place. If you're the owner of the Brewers, you're slightly panicked at the moment. You put all your trust in David to make the right move. You want to keep your window of winning open as long as possible. You may have underestimated the power of the clubhouse. You may have underestimated how angry the players are. Or 
They may have just been swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates as part of an ordinary season. Folks, I'd like to draw your attention to how baseball works. Teams go on losing streaks even when they win 120 games or 17 or 16 or 15. Teams go on winning streaks when they lose 100 games during the course of a season. It is entirely normal, common, and expected. Front office executives do not panic when their team has lost four in a row. They do not enter into a state of euphoria and call in Zendaya and say, hey, we've won four in a row. It's much more calm. It's much more level. But wait a minute, this losing streak comes on the heels of the trade. This winning streak comes on the heels of the team meeting. Team meetings must be effective. The causation that the media does and that you do as fans, when you read about something that happened and then there's a result and you believe that what happened is the result of the event, that's not how we think about it. The Milwaukee Brewers are not panicked. They are not regretful. The only thing that I would do as president of the Brewers is I would be having a one-on-one with Yelich, the leader of the team, and I would make sure that his headspace is where I need it to be because I need him to carry the message. I would have Craig Council, the manager, meet with Yelich. I, as president, would sit with Yelich. I want to make sure that I can get him to understand that throwing away a season which I don't believe is happening, but throwing away a season because you don't like a trade, which you're going to be the beneficiary of because you have a long-term contract over $200 that you are a brewer for the long term. You're going to want the benefit of this trade. I'm going to try to get buy-in that potentially I don't have from the player once I see the interview that he gave. We'll see what happens with the brewers, but don't panic. All right, we got two picks today. Double pick. Two very fascinating series are going on. Dodgers, Padres, Braves, Mets. The Mets have taken a four and a half game lead over the Atlanta Braves. The Mets won last night. It is critical for the Braves to not just not get swept, but to actually make up ground. You want to, when you are playing the team in front of you after a trade deadline, when you are the Padres and you've just gotten Juan Soto and you just lost to the Rockies last night, you have got to find a way to beat the team in front of you. That is your job. We don't put a lot of extra weight on specific games during the regular season. We don't sit with the players and say, hey, you got to get this one. When you've won two of the first three games of a series, you want to get the sweep. When you've split The first two games, you want to get the series win. There's obviously a reason every day that you can say, hey, we want to get this one. When you are in a competitive business, you want to go 162-0. The reality is that is what we project to outwardly to the players and to the fans. Hey, we're totally calm. Hey, we don't have to have it. The Padres have to get the Dodgers this weekend. It is critical. It's not going to happen tonight. Dodgers over the Padres. Braves over the Mets in a double pick of the day. I want to close the week talking about the most famous player we ever traded. The 20-year-old, 21-year-old who helped us win a World Series. 
the one active player from the 2003 World Series team. His name is Miguel Cabrera. About a year ago, I told you that Miguel Cabrera would not finish his contract with the Detroit Tigers. About six years ago, I met with Miguel in San Diego, talked about the possibility of him coming back, coming home, what it would be like to end his career, total tampering in the airport in San Diego and at the All-Star Game. Miguel Cabrera made his first public statement yesterday about the end of his career. And I want to explain what it means when a player does that. It means they've made their decision. Miguel Cabrera will not be on the Tigers next year. I told you he would not be able to finish his contract. Miguel Cabrera is not the Miguel Cabrera of old. No one is. Miguel Cabrera has lost the ability to hit for power. Miguel Cabrera has done nothing but guarantee that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer with, beyond, without question. No matter how bad a season he's had for the past few years, it will not change the reality of him being a first ballot Hall of Famer. The thought of him going in with Albert Pujols and Javi Molina is so interesting to me because they're done after this year as well. But Miguel Cabrera, before he leaves, will have to do a negotiation. The negotiation will be because he's got $40 million left coming from the contract he signed, that crazy contract that I was so critical of. As much as I love Miguel and I want him to get as much money as he can, there was no reason for Dave Dombrowski to sign him to the deal he signed him to when he got that huge extension. There was no way, if you know Miguel Cabrera, that he was going to be productive in his late 30s. It is rare for anyone to be productive in their late 30s. There was no chance for Miguel to be productive, and none of that takes away from his greatness. That is just the reality. Not everybody is Justin Verlander. But Miguel Cabrera is not walking away from $40 million. The Detroit Tigers have to find a way to move on from Miguel Cabrera and make it not their decision. That is part of dealing with an aging superstar. Miguel Cabrera owes a lot to the Detroit Tigers. He's thankful to the Detroit Tigers. Miguel Cabrera is the type of great person who's going to work with the Detroit Tigers to make sure that you, the fans, don't believe the Tigers wanted him gone. Don't believe this was about roster management. Don't believe that they mistreated the greatest player in Tigers history. Apologies to maybe a few players, but... I think Miguel is probably likely the greatest Tiger to ever play for the Tigers. And I don't think that's recency bias. And in order for that ending to happen, it starts with the player making a declarative statement exactly the way he did yesterday. The statement is, I don't feel well. I don't know what my future is. I am not sure that I am physically fit and able to help this team. I believe that young players should be getting at-bats instead of me. This does not come out of Miguel Cabrera's mouth without discussion with the Tigers. This gives the Tigers cover for Miguel Cabrera to be gone. This gives Miguel Cabrera the ability to not play next year and to still get his money. There will be a buyout. There will be a very small discount, if any that Miguel Cabrera will leave on the table. 
But this is it. No farewell tour. No gifts. He has two months now where if you have a chance to go see Miguel Cabrera and give him a standing ovation, I implore you to do it. Take advantage of being able to see a once-in-a-lifetime player, which we overuse more than maybe any other statement in sports. And just say thank you. Have a great weekend. It's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.